the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. In this episode, we continue our series on people of faith from Hebrews chapter 11. In this recording, we look at Moses' choices. The main reading is James chapter 4. So last week we looked at uh, Moses, and we just looked at one verse or two verses. Uh, Moses, when he had grown up, when he had matured. Uh-huh. And there's our problem, as someone said, you're never too old to grow up. Because age has got nothing to do with maturity, and our, our walk in the Lord, length of time, hasn't got anything to do with maturity, is it? And uh, we looked at maturity last week, because when he was mature, he made the right choices. He made um, the good choices, we'll delve into those choices tonight. But in the end, of course, we looked at uh, immaturity. What does the Bible tell us? Immaturity is uh, seen by inconsistency, unreliability, instability, stagnancy, drifting, looking back, lack of urgency, going back to our old ways, uh, careless, neglectful, uh, having to be retaught the same things, and going through a process of sinning, repenting, and sinning, repenting, that particular same sin. Instead of saying, Lord, it's time I broke this habit, but it's time I broke this sin. And uh, sometimes we, or sometimes, no, sometimes the Lord can deliver us immediately, can He? Yeah. Other times it takes a bit of while, depending on how ingrained it is, how deep it is. But ultimately, God has given us victory over sin, and so that we can never say, "Oh, well, that's how I am." Well, as we say, "Well, that's how we shouldn't be," isn't it? Um, so, and of course, the opposite is true for maturity. Of course, reliability, faithfulness, consistency, um, urgency, uh, learning, uh, careful. Um, looking after and not childish, childlike, and we can go on. Um, but that's what he grew up. And now, what I, I found interesting is that, and I was just just popped into my mind as I was uh, looking at Moses. Uh, Moses ma- had made these dis- these choices, these decisions as a young man. It's not interesting uh, because the Bible tells us when he's forty, he goes down to me and says, "Right, let's square this up now, and let's get him out of this out, out of Egypt." Um, but it wasn't the right time. Now, the decision was made as a young man, but the actual fruit of the work of the Lord out of him wasn't done until he was an old man. He didn't want to bother then, did he? He said, I'm finished now, Lord. I'm 80. Everything's going to be, everything's going okay. It's not what I planned to do. It's not what I thought I was going to do, but everything's okay. I mean, you know, shepherd in the backside of the desert, everything's all right. Not, not what he was called to do, not what he, the, the, the will of the plan of the Lord that he thought was, but you know, some of us can get into a situation where we say, well, that's how it is. Um, but the Lord was working on it, wouldn't he? Because although he made a decision, there was still a lot of Moses in Moses. And uh, that's our problem. It's a lot of me and me. And God brings us to that place where the Bible says Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. Now that's something to say, isn't it? The meekest man. Even when his, his siblings, his brother and sister, had to him. Now, and you're amazing, you know, around you, I'd be very, very gentle and quiet, can't I? At home, someone says anything at home. Because, you you know, with your family, you're a little bit more open in him, straight. Even when his brother and sister said, he didn't, he didn't argue with them, he didn't defend himself. And the Lord said, come here, come into the tabernacle, let me have a chat to you, three. He said, Moses is the one I spoke to speak to face to face, not what are you talking about? 
and of course uh, then we read that he's the weakest man in the world but so we have Moses Moses the Bible says um, last week verse 24 Hebrews 11 is where we are uh, by faith Moses when he had grown up matured refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter and we talked about uh, knowing who we are our identity absolutely important because that will determine who we are how we live and, and where, where our, our focus is he refused to be known as, as Pharaoh's daughter. He chose. See, now there's the maturity. Now he's refusing. He's choosing to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded the disgrace. Uh, he, just, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasure of Egypt. Now we read that glibly. The treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking, what was he looking for? Ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He endured, he persevered. Why? Because he saw him who is invisible. So there's our, our verses tonight. And it starts with his maturity. And then it, it breaks out in those choices. In those direction of the will. Not how we felt. And not, you know, what, because the treasures of Egypt. And we have the, the world systems you all Bible is always revealing to us what is our enemy. Right from the beginning of time in Adam and Eve, what was their enemy? It was what they could see, what they could have, and who they would become. And uh, that's the world system. And that world system is governed and ruled by the devil. Uh, he is the rule, God of this age. He's the ruler, prince of power of the air. And um, he's got many millions, billions in his grip. And this is how he does it. 1 John 2, 15, 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lusts of it. But he who does the, does the will of God abides forever. That's very clear, isn't it? and that's, that verse could be read over Moses because the, the channel, those three challenges were there in front of him. Lust of the eyes, how much he could have, the, the treasures of Egypt was his. Lust of the flesh, he just said he turned away from the pleasures of this world. Now he could have done anything, could have had anything, could have had anybody. Gratifies his physical desires. So, and then of course, the pride of life, his status, Prince of Egypt. That was his, uh, the lure of the world, far greater than we'll ever have, wouldn't it? You know, what's, our, what's the lure of we, we've got? Well, we buy a new car, we buy this, or we have this, or this. You know, compared to this, what a great challenge this is. Uh, yet, why? He can see with a different vision. Why? Because he can see the will of God. These things are temporal. Of course, what, what we, can have, we can call them isms, if you like. We've done this before. Hedonism. That's what you do when you want to do your own thing irrespective of it hurts anybody or harms anybody. Uh, materialism, gathering stuff, and egotism, uh, preoccupied with one's status and one's importance. Totally opposite the kingdom of God, which is self-control, spirit of generosity, and humble service. <laughs> and so there's, there's, the, there's the, uh, the choice that Moses had, but more the Bible says because he'd grown up, he knew who he was, refused and of course there it starts he refused to be known as Pharaoh's son and once we get our identity right so once we know who we are just looking for Sunday about um, fathers and uh, 
The more you read, the more you look, the more you understand the power of fatherhood and the power of God the Father. And when you see uh, something called a father wound, which we talk about on Sunday morning especially, the father wound, how many of the great atheists, the, the, the staunch atheists, um, you can trace a lot of it back to bad relationship with their father. So when we talk about God the Father, then I don't want to know anything about that. That's very interesting. And so we, once he knew who he was, he chose to be mistreated. Now, I don't know about that, but I'm going to try to navigate a different way, wouldn't it? But he chose to be mistreated. Now, when we talk about the will of God, and the will of God is for everyone to be saved, not everyone will be saved, but the will of God is for everyone to be saved, is the, the Bible says the will of God is sanctified, more like him, and growing in sanctification. Uh, the will of God is for our security, that we'll know that we're secure in him, hallelujah, in him. The will of God is, is, is to serve him. As the Bible says, you know, you were created to know him and to show him, to serve him. But what about this, which we don't, and of course, uh, we've got a problem here because, again, we even said with that last week, um, maturity is, is how we react to difficulties and circumstances, isn't it? Paul um, got through to, to a point where he said, I rejoice in them. In, in the beginning, he was mourning and groaning. When he get this thorn in the right neck, the thorn, the pain in the neck, thorn in the flesh. But he got to the point where he said, Lord, whatever it is, when I'm weak, you are strong. I gladly, I rejoice in them. Do you hear me? I'm not sure I'm there. Um, but this is our call. Listen to this. The call of God in our life and the will of God. 1 Peter 2, 20 to 25. But how is it? To your credit, if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. <clears throat> to this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an, an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. <clears throat> when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Verse 21, this is what you are called to do. Dave, I've never read that before. No, I've read it quick. I've read it, but I've read it quickly. Um, suffering, difficulty. Why? Because the Lord is our example, isn't he? He's our example. Did everyone love Jesus? For a little bit. <laughs> and then when he began to say, I'm going to the cross, and when he began to say, you've got to give up your life, he said, you've got to eat of my food, drink of my blood. The Bible says, even the disciples said, what on earth is this? This is too much for us. And they, they, they went away, they drifted away. Suffering, suffering. Um, and, and Moses understood that. Why? Because temporal. He was, his eye, he was defining, and this is our challenge as, as, as Christians, especially in the West, define our time on this earth by eternity. Define time by eternity. Living in the light of eternity. <coughs> We live for here and now, and we think this is it, this is all there is, and we forget about eternity. But also more than that, see the call also of the of the people of God, fellowship. Um, we talked about again. We talked about Jesus and his how he lived before the Father, with the Father, as a reflection of the Father. And one of the things that he did 
uh, it was it was in the house of the Lord. He said, didn't you know I'd be here? Be around the Father's business in the house of the Lord. See, uh, I was listening to one chapter. He said, church isn't for God's benefit, it's for your, mine your benefit. <laughs> it's for me, our benefit, isn't it? Why? Because fellowship, people of God, build, building, bodybuilding bride, build, support, sharpen, uh, help each other. And uh, uh, this is what he was, he was looking at. He was looking at the people of God, his people. They were his people. How about this verse? Hebrews 13, verse 3. Remember them that are in bonds, as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. Remember those in bonds, as if you were there, didn't he? What does he say? Weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. We're the body, the Bible says, so we're interconnected. And if you do your work, I'll be built up. If I do my work, you'll be built up. If I don't fulfill my purpose, you won't grow. The Bible is, because he's built this into community. And uh, because the people of God, he was looking at the people of God, he, he chose to go the hard way um, rather than the easy way. Um, and of course, ultimately, ultimately, the Bible is very clear, isn't it? What is discipleship? What are the qualifications to be a disciple of the Lord? Luke 9, 22-25. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Or whoever wants to save their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for me will save it. What, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit this very self? Again, Moses was living out that, that, that verse. Now, amazing, isn't it? Uh, what was it profit to gain the whole world? He had the whole world at his fingertips. But what profit is it? You can't take it with him. Perhaps he, perhaps he had uh, heard about the tombs that they buried in. Perhaps, I mean, who knows? He, the young man, he might have, I wouldn't have dug into the tombs they wouldn't allow, but um, he, he knew that they took all of with him, all those spheres, didn't they? they, when they that's why they, they dug him up, because they knew there was treasures there. They took, they thought they were taking everything to the next world. When the grave diggers got the grave robbers there, they said, no, they wouldn't take anything. They wouldn't take anything. Everything was left behind. And he knew that. And uh, the qualifications to really be a disciple of, uh, quite clear, deny yourself, pick up the cross daily, and follow me. And uh, we said, what is that about? But remember, these are the words of Jesus speaking into us because he knows who we are. He knows what's the best for us. He is the one who created us and redeemed us. So there's, uh, there's <coughs> the outworking of the outworking. And Moses is outworking this way. He chose to be mistreated along with the people rather than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a short time. Now, if sin wasn't pleasurable, people wouldn't do it, because would they? And the devil, again, keeps us in time and keeps us in the here and now because uh, if we saw the end result of our sin, we wouldn't do it, would we? True. If that addict saw the end result of his life, he wouldn't take that first jump, shoot up, drink, whatever it is. He wouldn't do it, would he? If, if, if someone uh, leaves, leaves their wife or husband and, and, and used on the road, look back and they say, what a, what a stupid thing to do. But the, the devil keeps us in the here and now, doesn't he? So we don't see the end result 
of, of, of our sin. The pleasures of sin, but he's very clear, isn't he? For a season, transient, temporal. They give us a thrill here and now, but they leave us with an ache after and uh, a guilt and a, a longing for, I wish I had not done this. And of course, the trouble is the further we go down that road, our consciences become seared. So then we go to people and we say about sin, and they say, well, what, what do you mean? I told you before, but when they were, uh, Ian McKellen was going down and doing the way he was going, but there were some people outside saying, repent, repent. For what? For what? Mm. And you see, once you get to that stage, you're in trouble, and God has got to really knock you on your, on your, uh, on your back then when you don't realise there's no, nothing to repent for. Um, uh, Matthew 6, Matthew 6, 30, 31, 34. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and you, Heavenly Father, knows that we, and our Heavenly Father knows that we need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Truly. Absolutely. Uh, again, the kingdom manifesto, Jesus is talking. Again, remember, the main thing he's, he's, re he's revealing us is God as the Father. Um, so then there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to fear. Why? Because Father's there. And again, that's what we need to understand what a fatherhood and what a good father is. But ultimately, he's saying, look, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, his rule, his reign, his realm, and his right. That's our first priority. Everything else is secondary. And again, Moses, we can see it in him. Now remember, he's refusing, he's choosing, he's considering, the Bible says, he considers the reproach of Christ uh, of, of uh, greater, uh, more important than the riches of Egypt. Now, there's, there's, a, there's a direction of the will, isn't it? And that's, that's maturity. Immaturity is, I don't feel like it. Uh, I want it now. Uh, you don't know how I feel. Is this is me, 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 my, my now. And perspective is gone. Children are like that, isn't they? Uh, they, they? They haven't got a clue about what's going on. They want it here and they want it now. And, uh, and if they don't get it, they have a strop, don't they? And they can see that coming out in, in our nippers now, Henry. Don't mess with me, boy. But my dad, you are. But my dad don't have any uh, strops here, isn't it? Why? Because they, they want it now. And uh, that's a, <coughs> He was choosing, he was directing his will. <coughs> and uh, thankfully, again, we not have Moses in the Old Testament, we have Paul in the New Testament. There's a great testimony of, of this. Philippians 3, 3 to 11. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Jesus Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath, hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh either more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching righteousness, which is the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I can be lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but down that I may win Christ. And to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the Lord, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is by 
of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made comfortable unto his death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. We have Paul again, and not an obvious like me and you, someone who achieved the very pinnacle of his field. He was, they say, one of the most intelligent men, the most genius minds that have ever lived. Um, he was right there, wasn't he? He'd gone up through the ranks quickly, right into the Sanhedrin, <clears throat> and he thought he was good. He was, in, in a sense, outwardly good. He followed, he was the law, law uh, uh, keeper, um, legalistic, he knew, but he said, when I found Christ, all those things that I thought were important, I counted them as, he uses a, a very earthy word, um, we won't say it tonight, done. Done. That's what he thought of it. Why? Because now he was he was seeing with eternal eyes. He was seeing Jesus for a start, and his eyes were on him, and he could see with eternity. And he said, all the things I thought were important, all that I worked for, rubbish. To know him, to know him, and to know his presence, and know his power, and to fellowship in his sufferings, to be actually uh, counted worthy. Remember the disciples, they, they, they came back after being lamped. They're full of gladness because they they were counted worthy of being hammered for the sake of Christ. Yeah. Oh dear, dear, dear! We we live on a different planet, don't we? The West, we've got it so easy, so comfortable. Any little bit of difficulty, we're up in arms, don't we? Lord, what are you doing? He knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. He, he, he's trying to make us sharper and uh, uh, more like him, and uh, and so we have the, the, this choice that he has. Enjoy the pleasure city, he regarded disgrace was a greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Why? Because he was looking ahead to the eternal reward. 1, t- 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 14, I think. A godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, Flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight to the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you you made your good confession in the uh, presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made a good confession, I, change, I charge him to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very, so clear and so true. Um, we see it in history, we see it in our time. Love of money is the root. 
root and we can see it springing up and springing out and uh, he says there that those who are going to pierce themselves, many of you have told this before, it means by a piece of meat on a spit, <coughs> they will roast, roast it right through slowly, slowly, they can't see it for themselves but absolutely nothing in it at all is it, why? Because he says you can take nothing with you, you can take nothing with you and that's the root and, and thankfully Moses because he, he, by faith, he'd grown up, he could see it, he could see it. And of course, as we said before, faith in this, in this uh, chapter, if you, if you underline the, the many times about seeing and how we see, uh, it's all faith changes the way we see things, we perceive things. And that's what faith really does. Um, it takes us from that which is temporal to eternal. And, and the Lord's always causing us to that. Someone said this, it is the oldest choice which still presented to every soul, the old crisis which reappears in, reappears in every experience. Caesar or Christ, in Christ's time, in, in the early days, in the early church, Caesar or Christ, the vast, attractive, skeptical world with its pleasures, ambitions, its prodigal promises, or the meek, majestic, victorious figure of Jesus of Nazareth. The election remains for each of us in that shaded, solemn valley of decision. Absolutely true. It's always been the same. There's always been a choice. Uh, God or man, Caesar or Christ, what will you choose? And he even says there in Timothy, even some have wandered from the faith. Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. Um, that verse in Psalms, which is again is such a Cold, you know, a verse that sends a shiver down his mind. You give them the desires of their heart, but send leanness, famine to their soul. Yeah, he said, look, he comes to a point where he said, look, I can't, this is the way, walk ye in it, but if you set your will against the Lord, because he's given us free will, he'll say, and when he gives us over, there's a real trouble. Now, we could say the Lord's given us over as a nation, when we see what's going on, dear, 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 there's only the mercy of God that can stop it. Things that we think, what on earth are they talking about? Common sense has gone out the window. Not even common sense anymore. Um, and those that even dare to say common sense, even though they're qualified, experts, they are sidelined or, or even shut down or lose their jobs. You, you think, you know, we're in trouble. We need the Lord. We need the Lord. So he's um, he's looking for the that eternal. Uh, Two Corinthians four sixteen to eighteen. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Mm. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Again, very clear, that which we can see, that this physical that we can touch, is temporal. We know that. Yet we don't live like that. That which is unseen, the spiritual world, is eternal. Mm -hmm. And he said, now focus on that, live for that, and invest in that. Invest in that. Really give yourselves to it. 
Hallelujah. And of course, when uh, Paul was talking, his, 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 his teaching was for that, and his prayer was that. Remember, we talked last week about Epaphras in Colossians. He's always praying for him. He's always praying that he will be complete, he will be mature, that he will be full, that you will get to your, your destination, having achieved what the Lord wanted you to achieve. And of course, that where did he get that from? From Paul, of course. Um, Paul, in, in a lot of the letters, said, this is my prayer for you. Let's, let's read one of them. Colossians 1, 9 to 14. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and faithfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and brought us into his kingdom of the sunny loves, in whom we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. That is uh, part of the uh, reading that uh, Prime Minister Sunan read for the coronation. Our prayers being, Lord, take that word that he read and apply it to him, apply it to his heart. Uh, that's our prayer. But of course, it was the prayer of Paul that we would know worthy to please the Lord. That is the only thing that really counts is the Father, although he says over us, you are my son, in whom I'm well pleased, there's that reciprocation. We, oh, we want to do everything. We want to make it our ambition, our aim to please you, isn't it? Um, you, we know as, as parents, our kids, when they've, you know, <coughs> let us down, sometimes many times, isn't it? Uh, uh, you know, they don't stop being our children, of course they don't. But, you know, they... they our heart drops in there. Why have they done that again? Especially when they grow up and they call him. And we don't want to, our aim is not to, for that, for the Father's heart to be like that. It is to, is to, to know. And so here is, is Moses uh, looking, looking ahead to the road. By faith, um, he regarded disgrace. By faith, he uh, left. He forsook Egypt. Now that's interesting, isn't it? He's forsaking, he's leaving behind the world. And we started with the world. Now Moses is refusing his identity. He's re remembering who he is. That's where it is. Faith realizes who we are. And then out of those, the choices come. And we forsake the world. Egypt is always a type of the world. He's forsaking it. Um, and the Bible, teaching right through, is always about that. Ephesians 4, 22, 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old son, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new son created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He said, Colossians is the same. Now he's not just telling to put off. In Colossians, he's put to death the old nature, put to death the old ways, your old way of thinking, your old habits, your old desires, your old priorities, your old dreams, put to death, put it off, put on. It's a lovely picture of laying aside a garment and actually putting on, as in uh, the word means to sink into that garment. 
Um, and he, he, he's, he's surrounding you, covering you. And he says, put it off. And now Moses is not just choosing, now he's, he's making a real choice. He's forsaking Egypt. Um, forsaking Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. His eyes were on something higher, greater uh, than this world. Uh, Hebrews, tw Hebrews 12, 1-3. Wherefore, seeing we also are com combusted about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Seeing, looking, again, is again the same word here, looking, looking away from something and to something, getting our attention, our, our focus, our priority, and considering, using our thinking. He said, consider Christ, get your mind on him. Actually, physically, use, direct your heart and mind. How do you do that? Get into the word. Spend time in worship. Take your mind and direct it. The Bible, Paul said, I get all of my body and I make sure it's obeying me, not me obeying it. And uh, he's directing his mind. Of course, verse 26, he's considering the reproach of Christ. He's choosing, he's considering. He's using, he said, what, what's worth more? Temporal pleasures, temporal treasures, or eternal pleasure, eternal treasure. What's, he's considering. He's leading his mind. Why? Because that's where it starts, and that's where it ends, isn't it? Our mind, uh, the battle of the mind, is who, who's got it in control. That's why the Bible says he's given us power to rip down strongholds, left and right hand, um, the, the battle is the Lord. Listen to this. This is, uh, I don't know if some of you might have heard this, it's an old familiar Mother Goose rhyme. Remember those? <coughs> you youngsters say, what are you I'll give you it now. It's Mother, Mother, Roos, Mother Goose rhyme. Oh, Mother Goose rhyme. Mother Goose rhyme. Pussycat, Pussycat, where have you been? I've been to London to visit the Queen. Pussycat, Pussycat, what did you, what did you there? I frightened the little mouse under her chair. Like that little cat, Christians sometimes settle for petty involvements, true pursuit, chasing mice, when we have the opportunity to spend time with royalty, with the king. Mm -hmm. Isn't that true? What did you do when you went to see the king or the queen? I saw a mouse. And our, our mind can be so limited, right? Because we brought down God, God down to our level, we minify him, instead of reminding ourselves that he is still the majestic God. He is still the awesome one. Yeah, he's, he's brought us in, he draws us in. And uh, there we go. We read, I think it was this morning, uh, Mary and Martha. Oh, intimacy with the Lord. Intimacy with the Lord is so important. It's the most important thing that we can spend time with him. Our sight, our sight. Of course, there he says there, doesn't he? Um, uh, he's, he's seeing him who is invisible. Ah, now there's, there's, there's faith, isn't it? We see him who is invisible. We can't, our, our senses are not involved. That's why prayer is difficult sometimes, because our senses are not involved. Now reading, well, of course, we pick up a book and read. That takes a bit of discipline, because some of us are not great readers, but we've got to get into it. Yeah. Um, but prayer, our senses are not involved, is it? Yeah. Our physical senses. And uh, that's why it takes faith. 
Faith, he says, those who seek me and, and earnestly seek me will be rewarded. And factually, blessed and although he's invisible, <coughs> ah, we can see him working all the time. Where, where do we get that from? Romans 1, 18 to 20. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Yeah, so when, when people say, well, I don't believe in God, and, and they, they don't ever think they're scientists because that is impossible now, because the more evidence we see, now they may say, oh, we're not sure, but there has to be a first cause and there has to be a designer because everything is absolutely so, so finely tuned. It's called the teleological argument. Everything is so fine-tuned for this planet, it can't happen by chance. And the statistical happening by chance is so impossible, even the ardent scientists say, well, we'll have to give, we, we give way there because it's clear the invisible qualities, his divine nature, the power and majesty of God is clearly seen. Yeah, you may we say, well, I've never seen, you see his handiwork everywhere. See, it's called the general revelation of God. And he says that they without excuse. No one will ever say, well, Lord, I didn't. No. Yes, he did. You saw, if you opened your eyes to creation, you could see the wonder, the majesty, the beauty of God all around you. The other revelation, of course, you've got your conscience. Of course, in Romans 12, he says, you know what's right and wrong. You know what's right. In fact, he says those who do what's right and wrong, even though they didn't have the law, will be judged by that. But people say, well, what if they never heard the gospel? He says that they'll be judged for what they knew was right and wrong. Because it's been built into us, isn't it? Right and wrong. Conscience, of course, the, the other revelation that we can't get around is Christ. Three C's. There we are. Remember that? Creation, conscience, Christ. He can't get around Christ. People will say, eh, no, historically, absolutely clear. Uh, birth, death, resurrection, we know that. Uh, let's look at our last verse. Again, forsaking all. Why? Because we know who he is. Isaiah 55, Isaiah 55, 6 to 9. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Great verse, isn't it? Forsake, turn. Moses did that, why? Because he could see with the eye of faith, he could see clearly, um, uh, eternally, not temporally, and when we, by faith, living by faith, we see things, we see people differently, <coughs> differently, and, and we see uh, what our life and our purposes are different. Uh, we're not living for this, we're not living for time, we're living for eternity. We're not investing for time, we're investing for eternity. And if we've got to forsake many things, if we've got to turn our back on things, we've got to choose, we've got to consider, and then we may have to forsake many things. Um, for the gospel. But it isn't giving anything up, is it? 
glory be. Uh, we're giving up that which is, is temporal for that which is eternal. And you see, uh, the devil would whisper in our ears and say, oh, Dave, look at the things. You could have done this. You could have had that. You could, uh, and what a lie. Eternity is ahead of us. And we can say, well done, good and faithful soon. Why? Because you saw and you chose even uh, suffering, mistreatment with the people of God rather than join the pleasures of sin for sure and be regarded in disgrace for Christ more than all the world could offer. Because he was looking, he was looking ahead. By faith he left, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. Remember, faith eliminates fear. Um, bless the Lord, looked at that before. He persevered, he endured. And again, that's maturity. Endurance comes from maturity. Why? Because he's seeing differently. He's seeing him who is invisible. When we give up, oh Lord, sometimes we want to give up. We're looking in the wrong place, looking not looking with the eye of faith, that we're looking in time instead of eternity. So Moses is a great example to us. When we think, oh Lord, you don't know, you don't know what I'm going through, you don't know what's happened to me, you don't know the difficulties I'm going through. You don't, you don't want to give up. And Moses says, well, look what I had at my disposal. And left it all behind. Bless the world. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org. Thank you.